We have a very special guest with us this morning, Claren Martin. He is one of the regional ministers uh, for the Evangelical Missionary Church of Canada, a pastor of pastors. Um, I very much consider him my pastor, and it's just an honor to have you here, Claren, speak, with here. Us, speak to us this morning. And so, church, let's welcome Claren Martin. Thank you, James. So much fun to be back here and worshiping the Lord Jesus along with you. Thank you, worship team, for lifting our eyes onto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And is he good? He is so good. Amen. That was a great song. I hadn't heard that song before. And I just, you know, I've been walking with Jesus about 41 years now, and you know, as you sometimes go through things, you sort of wonder, this is like was Seth was saying, you know, we go through stuff, we wonder where, you know, maybe where is God? But now that I can look back on some things, I can say, you know, now I know what you were doing, God, as I can see what was happening then and what you were doing in me and in others that was preparing me for what's in the future. And so, friends, you can always trust in the Lord. And trust ultimately that his good and your good is in his plan as you walk forward with him. Well, thank you, God, for what he is doing here in you and through you. Pastor James was telling me about some of the things that are on the calendar and and the uh, things that are happening here. And we're just rejoicing along with you. I thank God that you have, a, as a heart, a leadership of this church is seeking to bring about spiritual renewal in the church. Because the church in Canada, overall, is not really very healthy. Actually, she's sick. She's dying. And this church has a heart to cry out to God for spiritual renewal and revitalization that the church in Jesus Christ here and throughout Canada would be healthy and vibrant and bring the message of hope to our broken and hurting world. Amen? Friends, do you understand that there are people who cry themselves to sleep at night because of the brokenness and the hardships and the difficulties that they're going through and they have no one like Jesus to turn to because they don't know who he is? You think that could be happening in Waterloo? In Waterloo region around? I guarantee that it's happening. And we have a dear couple here that's crying themselves to sleep at times because of the brokenness and the hardships and the difficulties that are been a part of the past that are being wonderfully transformed and changed by the power of God because this place is a place of prayer and a place of confidence in God that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond whatever we can ask, think, or imagine because he is good. Very good. Thank you for your part in our small little denomination, the Evangelical Missionary Church of Canada. Thank you for your being a part of the family. We like to be just a understand as a denomination, we are family. We're friends with each other. We partner together to make a difference in this nation and throughout the world. And there's lots of ways to do that through our colleges and our missions and work teams. And uh, I guess right now, uh, you got a couple people from this church, right? Are you aware of the Gesslers uh, that are in India? 
at Yeshud Bar, and uh, this is this old decrepit building that they are revitalizing there to provide a home for orphans. I think they just talked about that probably before they went, right? So uh, I saw that they were speaking a couple weeks ago. And uh, yay God, for the kindness of God that flows from even people here to there that can make a significant difference as we work together, partner for the kingdom, and honor him. Well, I'm excited, as James was telling me about, you just had a Hearing God uh, training event for your leadership, and there's going to be a seminar on that uh, later on this summer, Lord Willing, uh, Set Free Conference that's being planned as well, and that's a, a wonderful, freeing, life-transforming experience. And uh, I trust that you'll sign up for that when that opportunity comes, because God wants to do um, increasingly great things in you and then through you. So let's just pray for a moment before I jump into the message here. And just, just pray a simple prayer like, just Lord, would you speak to me? Give me ears to hear what your spirit wants to say to me this morning. Just pray something like that. Lord, I pray that you would just come by your Holy Spirit and speak to our hearts and draw us to yourself. Give us ears to hear what you want to say to us today. You know exactly what we need to hear. Maybe it won't be from my lips, but I pray that we would hear it from your lips, what we need so that we can move forward in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's, uh, I'm just Claren Martin. I'm nothing special, just a follower of Jesus. And uh, just to give a little bit of a background and a little bit of who I am, what I'm attached to, that's my, myself and my wife. I have four kids, a son and three girls. I won't take time to explain who, which is who's there, but, uh, and their spouses. And uh, each one has two kids each. Uh, and so I got eight grandchildren and hopefully more on the way eventually. And uh, so that's what makes up the tribe that I'm a part of. And I see the faithfulness of God to us over the years through that. Well, I'm a part of the Evangelical Missionary Church, and the thing that really drives us or makes us passionate is about the mission of Jesus, the co-mission of Jesus. And so if you've got your Bible there, and turn, if you would, to the last chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. And we want to talk about, really about the passion we have. On the first slide I had, as a denomination, we're all about following Jesus, Lifting him up because of who he is and the wonderful God that he is. He is the one that we give ourselves to follow. And so the things that he talks about and the things that are on his heart, we want them on our heart as well. And he gives this commission before he ascends into heaven to his disciples to, and this is nothing new to you, you've heard this for years. Um, I know Pastor Nick talked about this, James talks about this, and I'm going to talk about this because we're going to keep talking about it until we keep Till we really get doing it. What do you think, Nick? All right, yep. All right, we're going to keep talking about it until we're doing it, because sometimes we're really not doing it, and why we're having trouble doing it is because we really haven't been seeing disciple-making the way it should be happening in Canada, and so most of us don't really know how it's to be done. I certainly haven't. Certain, you know, had not experienced it. And we are learning some things about disciple-making. And I want to share just a few of them in the bit of time that I have this morning. But Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. 
And the nations are actually even coming even to Canada, which is exciting. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Disciple-making. What is it? It is different. We, we, it is different than discipling, which is often thinking about just simply maturing people up. It's, it's, it's more than that. It's about making disciples who actually make disciples. So point number one, disciple-making is about surrendering to Jesus as Lord, not just praying a sinner's prayer. And of course, we need to... Uh, pray a prayer to repent of our sins and put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's core and central. We need to be born again. We need to be adopted in the family of God. But we sometimes in Canada have made that the end goal. Yeah, you get saved, you're, you, know, you pray the prayer, and you're good. You're good. And we are good. I mean, we are forgiven. We're transformed. We're changed. But there's much more to the excitement of the Christian life than just the wedding ceremony. You know, I, I married my wife a bunch of years ago, 35, I think, something like that, and uh, stood, stood in front of the church and family and friends, and, you know, we covenanted together, and we exchanged rings, and, and there was a spiritual, or there was this uh, commitment to each other, and there was this union that took place, and we have been husband and wife for all these years, for better, for worse, and she puts up with worse, I put up with better, and, uh, you know, so that's what happened, but there's been, there's more to our marriage than just the day when we were union, come together in union. I've talked to her at least four or five times since then, and, uh, Raise a bunch of kids together and watch all that stuff together. So it is with Jesus. It is a life of journeying, just like marriage is. It's a life of journeying together through life. And the Christian life is that. It's this life where we come in behind Jesus. He is the one that we are choosing to, in, to follow. Not this man, not that leader, not that person. But because of who we believe Jesus is, we say, I'm going to come in behind him and follow him as my Lord. The functional head of my life and the church. Jesus modeled that. He lived a life of even submission to his Father. He called his disciples. And see, Jesus, go back into Matthew chapter 4. This act of discipling, Jesus actually lived out. And if you look at how Jesus interacted with the disciples that he called, you see, how do you make a disciple? And you do it like Jesus did it. And so in Matthew chapter 4, verses, uh, verse 17 there, he, he began to call uh, some people to begin to follow him. And from then on, Jesus began to preach, turn from your sins and turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is near. And on that day, as they were walking through the shore, verse 18, Matthew 4, beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, so-called Peter and Andrew, uh, fishing uh, with a net for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, come be my disciples and I will show you to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. A little further down the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called to them, come. And immediately they followed him, leaving the boat and their father uh, behind. 
Here they were, surrendering, following in behind Jesus, uh, abandoning certain things sometimes in order to fully be obedient, surrendered to him. Are you surrendered to Jesus or you just have Jesus as your ticket into heaven? Or are you choosing to surrender and follow in behind him? This past summer in June, we were teaching the way of Jesus training at EBC, Bible College. President Phil was talking. There was a couple guys there from the Akalawit Church in, in Ethiopia. Uh, the SIM missionaries a bunch of years ago went over to Ethiopia, taught the gospel. Uh, there's been a disciple-making movement there that's just exploded. And there's uh, and two of the guys that were there that are part of the national leadership for the Akalawit Church, uh, about 8 million people strong. Anyway, so Phil was talking about how the attitude of Canada is that we often hear but don't obey. And, uh, you know, we hear a good sermon and we talk about it. We sit in a good Bible study and we, we talk and we discuss and we debate and we argue. And we, you know, the next week we go and do the same thing. But we don't do much obedience. And I was sitting in the room there and I could see Isaiah, one of the guys to the national uh, church there, uh, at Kalawa Church, and uh, he was sitting there, and he was just shaking his head. When, when Phil was describing the Canadian attitude generally, he was just sitting there shaking his head, and finally, he just couldn't sit there and be quiet any longer, and he spoke up, and he said, you know, raised his hand and spoke up. He says, in, in, in Ethiopia, we hear, and then we obey. A cool. Hearing really means that implication that we will, the Greek word there is really that means that we will follow through in obedience. Are you following through saying, yes, Lord, I will follow you? That's what it means to be a disciple, fully surrendered and committed to him. Secondly, disciple making is about life-on-life encounters, not just listening to a great sermon or teacher. Now, there's nothing wrong with listening to great sermons, and I'm sure you get lots of them here when I'm not here. And so you have to put up with me today. But, uh, you know, you, nothing wrong with that. Jesus himself was a fantastic preacher. If you look through verses uh, or chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, you realize there that that's what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon. I encourage you to actually memorize that sermon, read it, study it. Uh, let that teaching of Jesus saturate your life at the end of that sermon. It says, like, no one taught like he did. Thousands of people would come and join him on a hillside where he would, would teach. I mean, he was a masterful teacher, but think about it. How many of those thousands of people were there with him at the end of his life faithfully following him? <laughs> Very few, right? Nothing wrong with a sermon. We understand, though, that the power of a sermon is actually rather limited. Who are the people that were really, well, even not fully following him and fully faithful? I mean, it was a little shaky for them as well. But the 12 or the 70 or the 120, that those faithful ones, how had they experienced Jesus? Just the odd sermon? 
No, it was those folk that had come in around Jesus, that Jesus invited in to be that core of people that would live life and on life with him. As a rabbi would influence his disciples, he would take them in and those disciples would seek to hear what he had to say. They would watch how his attitude was, what his behaviors were, how he would react in certain situations, eat the food he ate, sleep where he slept. It was a whole life on life kind of influence influence those were the ones that were radically shaped and changed and they were the ones that were loyal to Jesus in a sense at the end of the day although shaking right taken off and hiding when the when it when life was on the line but we're the core that really went forward after Pentecost and laid down their life for the cause See, friends, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, it's got to be life on life. Certainly life on life with Jesus, but we need people who are, we're going to journey with because we can't do this alone. We need people that spur us on, that encourage us, that we live life on life with. We need to connect with people that are a little further ahead in the spiritual journey than what we are so they can influence us. And then we've got the privilege to be influencing those who are a little bit maybe behind us, if you want to put it in those kind of... Uh, phraseology. And there's times we just partner up with people that are kind of just alongside us about the same place we are, but we just mutually encourage one another in the Lord to be faithful to Him. Life on life. Isn't it amazing to attend funerals and, of a great saint and you hear how they, how they lived and you just hear the stories that come out of the impact and the influence they had because they, as, they, as their lives were impacted by other lives. All of you can think of significant people, no doubt, in your life who have shaped you and influenced you. And you're shaping and influencing others. And we need to understand the importance of this life on life. And we begin really at home. I'm glad for the emphasis here this year. It starts at our home. See, Paul changed the terminology in the Gospels, we read about rabbis and their Talmuds or their students or their apprentices. The closest thing we have in our culture would be an apprentice. Paul changed the language. He didn't use that because he was speaking to Gentiles primarily, a missionary to Gentiles. Uh, the Gospels is primarily written to the Jewish crowd, and they understand who a rabbi was and how a rabbi functioned. And Paul changed the terminology and he talked about really spiritual parenting. And he talked about being, you know, a number of guys being like sons to him. And he changed the metaphor a bit because if you want to think about what discipling is, life on life, side by side, it's really this how the family works. It's how we begin to influence our children. And things are not just taught, but they're also caught. Amen? And they're doing a lot of mimicking, you know. Uh, I got now a bunch of grandkids, and so all of a sudden it's all fresh again to me to see how these little lives are just little sponges, and they soak it all in, good and bad, right? Uh, watch out what you say, because it might be repeated, <laughs> uh, right? So, I mean, it, but it's life on life. Who are the people that you pull close around you that, that you're living life on life with? That you're journeying together and, and going deep in the things of God and, and then going wide. I mean, then we're not just to gather, to, to huddle together, to be holy little saints together, but, but next, the mission is to go out and make more disciples. Which is really the third uh, statement disciple making is about building relationships, of course. 
But it's also building relationships with people who are far from God, not just with those who are already those who are convinced. Just jumping along, I mean, I, I'm skipping a bit of stuff here. Uh, chapters 8 and 9 really talk about the life-on-life life encounters that the disciples were having. Um, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. Of course, we need to hang out with believers, just as I was saying, but we need to also spend time with people who are far from God. One of the worst things about being a pastor is that we hang out with so many Christians. <laughs> you know, you, you, where do you go to school? It's a Bible college, all our Christians. You know, you spend all your time at the church. Who are there? They're all Christians, or generally so. You know, hopefully you got a Christian wife and Christian kids, and, you know, and there it goes. And, See, Jesus just didn't hang out with those who were already convinced about him. He spent time hanging out with those who were far from him. Uh, Just thinking of the case there of the tax collector, Matthew 9. Let's just read it. And Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. He loved those words. And I believe he said those words, follow me, far more than what's recorded in the scriptures. I believe that lots of times and places he was, that was his common word. Follow me. Come in behind me. Join me. And he did. And Jesus reclined, and he rose and followed him. Verse 10. And Jesus reclined at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Tax collectors were rip-off artists, uh, you know, taking a lot of extra taxes from people. So they were despised, despicable uh, characters, other sinners. Verse 12. And when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what it means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I've come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. See, the heart of God is not, he's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. The heart of God is, is that all would come to know him. The heart of God was, I mean, Jesus himself would, he'd be, he'd be in a village for a while or in a town and, and teaching and ministering, and then he would say, boys, we've got to move on. We, you know, he, he had ants in his pants, so to speak. I mean, he just had to keep on moving on. And Paul, who was trying to mimic his, a life after Jesus, he was an antsy in his pantsies too, right? He was always moving and taking trips and getting the gospel out there. And God, God you know, where are you leading me? Where are we going next? And, and then the Holy Spirit would say, nope, not going there. Oh, 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 I want to go there. No, 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 no. Where do I go? Okay, over here. Oh, yeah, boom, away we go. And just get this message out. Why? Because we need to build those relationships. There's other people who need to hear the good news about Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the Most High God, that he is, what is he? He's the Savior of the world, and he is good. Amen? He's better than any other religious leader that's ever lived. He is holy God in human flesh. Woo! Do you love him? Do you get excited about him? Every now and again. Jesus, cared for people like us who were far from him at one time. 
And he chases us down. And lovingly calls us to himself. And Jesus now lives where? Inside of us as born-again believers. And there's going to be that stirring inside of our hearts to be responding to his heart, which is saying, there's people. That's hard. It's, I mean, the, our culture is not very open, not very, uh, it's not very politically correct. We know it's not politically correct to talk about Jesus. And sometimes we get our hands slapped in places. But Jesus had a heart for those who were far from him. May you be known as Jesus was. May people say of you, that person, that person, that person, they're, they're friends of sinners. People who are far from, from God. So how do we engage this world? How do we again get an audience? How do we get a hearing again with those who are far from God? How do we get to be able to talk to people about Jesus. And this is, this is certainly super challenging here in Canada. But disciple-making then is, is, as Jesus taught us, it is about blessing others. It's about uh, lifting the effects of the fall or the curse. He proclaimed the kingdom of, the, of heaven is here. In other words, what is the, the kingdom? See, Jesus came and he ushered in his ultimate kingdom, uh, at least a, a taste of the ultimate, what the ultimate kingdom would look like is how he lived. Because in the ultimate kingdom, when Jesus fully reigns, will there be sick people there? Will there be hungry people there? Will there be blind people there? Lonely people there? No. And so when Jesus came, he came healed and he set out, cast out demons and he made the blind to see and the lame to walk and all those things that he did. He gave a tangible taste of what it's going to be like one day when he fully reigns. And he gave that message and that mission to us as his followers as well to proclaim the kingdom. And he told his disciples when they were going out on little learning curve assignments, Pray for the sick. And what do you all say to him? Where's my text here? Better find it and read it. Matthew 10, 5 through 8. Jesus sent out and instructed them, proclaim, verse 7, and proclaim, oh, I think I got up on screen here, and proclaim as you, are, uh, as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. That's what we get to do. I'm not very good at ca- raising the dead yet, but I, you know, there's some of these other things that I've definitely seen the power of God do with the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Phil's in India, though, they talk about there that they, there's, there's people that, that go out from that Yesho Dubar and they see raising of the dead. Woo! Is that a blessing? To pray for people and to see God do amazing things. I really believe that God will hear our prayers. Not in every case, not every time will there be the answers that we were looking for. I was up in Lakeshore Church, which is our missionary church in in North Bay, and Pastor Mark was telling me about the 16-year-old girl that struggled with leukemia when she was 10 years of age. Recovered through that. Came out of that. Actually became a cutter. You know, self-harming herself. Tragic little story. But a man, you know, got 
transform and change from that. And then she had an interest in, you know, of divine healing in the scriptures. And I'm not sure how the story goes because he just kind of gave me a nutshell of it. And, uh, and so here's a 16-year-old girl. One day at school, her teacher came into the classroom and she was uh, grumpy. She came into the classroom and says, Class, I am sick. I have a splitting headache. I've got a pain in my neck. I did not sleep very good. I am on the edge. And everyone, warning, <laughs> behave. You know, here's how I am today. This girl raises her hand. And she says, Teacher, we, can I pray for you? Teacher reluctantly let her pray for her. She went up, laid her hand on her head, prayed for her. Instantaneously, the lady was uh, healed. She said, would you like me to now pray for your, you know, like she's told the class, so I'm better. And uh, then she's going to pray for your neck. And so down the hand went on the back of the neck and prayed for her. And guess what? Instantaneously, the pain in her neck was absolutely gone. 16-year-old little follower of Jesus that is simply taking God at his word that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He wants to give people a tangible taste in his name of what it's like when he fully will one day reign. A few days later, she was, uh, heard about this male teacher in the school that had a locked knee and, and uh, couldn't walk on it properly. And so she found him after school and said, you know, would you, would you want me to pray for you? And he, again, reluctantly allowed her to pray for him. And, and so at the end of her prayer, she was expecting there was going to be instantaneous healing. And there wasn't. So she went home thinking, okay, you know, yeah, God, you know, hears and answers sometimes. Maybe other times he doesn't or doesn't the way we think he should or the timing that we should. And, and the next day she went to school and uh, another lady teacher came up to her and says, are you so-and-so? And she says, yes, I'm so-and-so. Are you the person that prayed for this male teacher? And she, again, wasn't too sure how <laughs> too much to own to this. And uh, she getting in trouble or what's happening? And she admitted, yes, I was the one that did that. And she said, well, you heard what happened. He's walking fine this morning. So I'm, I, I want to get the girl's name, and I got a few aches now I'm older. And, <laughs> and uh, anyways, but uh, right? Is, is, is she something special? Maybe. I mean, there is sometimes that some are given the gift of healing or the gift of faith, and, and exceptional things can happen. But this is a, friends, we need to be understanding that this is not just something that happens in far off fields, but it's something that can happen here as well. And we need to sometimes in the journey be courageous enough to offer prayer. I, I think so often we see God answers prayer quicker for people who are, are not even saved because God wants to show himself strong and mighty. Just real quickly here, uh, time's really gone. Some of you, that's too radical, and so I understand that. And I think maybe I shared this here with you before, but here's just a few five missionary principles just real quickly that for those of you that maybe uh, don't have the faith yet to believe, and that's all. Again, it's not always the miraculous way in which we do this, but here's five missionary principles um, to bless. This is so helpful to me. Uh, I've used this a lot. Live live by this. Uh, B, if I want to be a blessing to people, because as we're being a blessing to people, it opens up the door for an opportunity to share about Jesus. So we, B, we begin with prayer. So we should always be journeying through life and saying, Lord, 
Who are the people that you want me to connect with? Who are, lead me. I want to be a spirit-led person. I want to be, have eyes open and ears open to the world around me and to you, Lord, of who are the receptive people. And there was people that, friends, that Jesus walked by and did not have conversation with, did not heal them, did not do anything for them because he was spirit-led. But there's others that he, you know, did. Uh, some might disagree with me on that. Some say that he healed everybody. Um, Anyways, let's not go down that controversy. Great, but anyways, begin with prayer. Uh, then L is listen to their story. I think sometimes we're so quick to to want to share Jesus, and I don't think that's so true in our culture anymore, but uh, we need to begin, though, at really listening to their story. Understand who they are, where they're coming from. Eat with them is the E. That's where we build trust. We build some relationship. We They get to know us. We get to know them. Ask us for looking for a practical way in which you begin to serve them. You know, you might hear that they, oh, they got a move coming up. Do you need some help with that? Uh, Your kid's sick. Can I come over and help you with your kid? You know, your house is a mess. (laughs) You wouldn't want to say that to them. But, uh, you know, can we, you know, can I come over and help you a bit? You know, I know there's lots of little rugrats around here and you're all stressed out. And Why don't I just come on over and, you know clean up a few things for you, whatever. Find just practical ways. And uh, my daughter was telling me about a while back, she just baked up a bunch of cookies and she's on uh, Matt Lee right now and took her two little, two little boys and they walked through the neighborhood and uh, delivering these cook- little packages of cookies out. And she ended up, she said to me, I had about three very significant conversations with that. And one person that opened up about some needs in her life and said she, she committed to pray for. Just, just being a blessing and as we, you know, we're doing things that, to serve in a practical way because as we do that then, sometimes when people look at us and say, like, who are you? All right? Like, as when they find, they feel and experience the love of God in our heart for them because we're loving our neighbor as, as we ought to be. And then we share our story and how it intersects with the story of Jesus and how that story of Jesus can intersect intersect in their life story. That's a little bit of what it means to be a disciple. There's a lot more. But how are you doing in being a disciple maker? How are you doing in having some people that you're building into and then building them to such a point that they actually are going then and building disciples? I know that this is a heart and passion of this church as well. I trust that you'll continue to give yourself to it. You, You don't have to be perfect yet. Just be willing. And I'm glad you're learning to listen to God here because it's really about just being in tune with him. It's, it's actually quite simple. You just be in tune with him. And it's interesting. Uh, just a young guy, just one last story. Um, one young couple, they're living together now um, that I've been befriending. He's not saved yet. Neither of them are saved yet. And, uh, you know, occasionally we get together and I hadn't really connected with the guy for a little bit and just was thinking of him the other day and I just said, you know, it's been a little bit while. I haven't, I haven't prayed as regularly for him and his, his living girl. And I, so I prayed for them and I prayed for their salvation. And uh, it was the hardware store yesterday. This is just, I think I just prayed the day before. And it was in the hardware store. And all of a sudden, hey, Claire, hey, Claire. It was this couple. And over they run to me. How you doing? Big hugs, you know, here we go. And uh, out of that conversation, then says, Claren, I got to get together with you. I got to get together with you. 
and talk to you about this. Uh, I'm having a conflict with my brother. See, for me, I am the guy in this guy's life. He's, he's 30. Maybe not even quite yet. Yeah, he's 30, I think. And uh, I'm the guy in his life. I'm discipling him. I teach him the ways of Jesus. He says, I go to my dad for other things, and uh, he can tell me about cars and houses, but you tell me about relationships. You tell me about the way, the right way to live. And we live life on life. It kind of gets distant sometimes, but I'm trusting that one day he will embrace Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for people along the journey that have rubbed life on life with us to the point that we've seen that you are real, God, and your son Jesus is real, and he's life-transforming and changing. And I thank you that so many folk here have been radically transformed wonderfully by your saving work and by your spirit. And Father, we want to pass this message on. We know it's difficult in our culture. It's challenging so many times. People don't want to hear about the name of Jesus. Uh, They don't want to hear that he is the way, the truth, and the life. But you are. And I pray, God, that you would continue to do that deep and profound work in us, that we would be uh, just walking with you, Lord, in obedience, just being led by you, praying, and allowing you to be working because you are. And in the process that you're doing of calling people to yourself, and we get to be a part of that. I pray, God, that there'd be no bored Christians here. I pray, God, that every person here would have an adventure of the excitement of a life led by the Spirit and walking with God. So fill us today with your Holy Spirit and continue to bless us in this congregation that it would have a significant influence here and throughout the world ongoing. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you, Claren. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And I just want to say, for those of you who would like to receive prayer, um, just come on up and uh, we'll take some time to pray. Uh, And in particular, if you need prayer for healing, um, yeah, let's do that. Let's go for that. So just come on up and uh, have a great week.